Welcome to Not So Straight Podcast. I'm Squish. And I'm Brooke. It's time to queer it up. Hey guys, welcome to Not So Straight, where we get to talk about all of the queer coding and video games. Today, we're going to be talking about Chris and Wesker from the Resident Evil series. Yay! Which covers a whole lot of games. <laughs> there's there's a lot of games. There's... games. there's like the main games and all the side games that I can't keep track of. There's Resident Evil 1, Resident Evil Code Veronica... There's stuff in, like, Revelations that we have to go over. The big one's five. And then some stuff for Chris in, like, six, seven, and eight. So. Yeah. I'd say say five has, like, the most amount of, like, gay between them. But then, like, they each come with their own package of gay. So, like... You know, it's it's <coughs> it's gonna be a ride. <coughs> um, I apologize if I cough during this. I recently got over a cold, and that's the last lingering thing. So, I apologize. It's fine. So <laughs> you're not forgiven. How dare you? <laughs> do we want to start with Chris, or do we want to start with Wesker? Um, I guess I suppose we can start with Chris. Alright, so the story of Chris Redfield starts for the queer coding in Resident Evil 1, which no one should be surprised by, because literally Chris Redfield walked into the scene as a kind of strange main character for Resident Evil, because I feel like in the 90s you're kind of waiting for, like, a in a survival horror game the very like strong you're probably expecting Wesker honestly to be the main character because like he's that like strong Rambo-esque character that has like no morals you're usually expecting like a pretty big uh, personality like powerful like person like I always think of um, I always think of like Duke Nukem yeah And instead, we got Chris Redfield, who's pretty passive in terms of character. Like, yeah, like he's not—he doesn't really argue with people. He—he follows orders. He gets along well with the people he works with, which is something I noticed. Like, Resident Evil, and something I always like liked about Chris's character is like he definitely drinks his respect women juice, and like. He never, you know, questions getting told what to do by, like, a lady who works, like, working alongside him and stuff. Definitely not. I mean, the respect he shows for his partners, and even Rebecca Chambers, who kind of got done dirty by the Resident Evil series, if we're going to be real for a second. Yeah, they they definitely could have done, like, a lot more with her. Like, and she's one of my favorites, so I always, like, 
wanted her to show up in more stuff, but like she, it's only like a few things she really shows up in. Yeah, and we're gonna talk about her in an upcoming episode of the podcast, so don't worry, we'll get to that. Yeah, that's like but that's like a whole other thing. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. The women of of Resident Evil deserve their own unique episode because Capcom knows how to write female characters. If there if there's like one thing I can give Capcom one hundred percent of the time, it's putting gay into their games for no apparent reason. And also just having strong female characters, which is just a plus to them on. Yeah, like I I don't even know if it's on purpose. It could be like totally on accident, but they for some reason just make like gay characters like automatically. They're just like, here you go. Have have at it. Like especially Good since luck. they rarely present like any like love like concrete love love interests at least like women love interests for like the main ca- characters it's usually yeah. like a really it's close like... ma- a male character they're like super close with and i don't know if they probably don't mean to have it come off that way but it always comes off as like mega gay like all the time i mean in, in japanese culture it makes a bit more sense because again as me and you have discussed there's more of like a gender separation a lot of times where you do have more of a boys hang out with boys, girls hang out with girls kind of yeah. more of that culture especially in like the 90s which we do see in America but also I feel like in Asia in general you have more of that like you can have skinship between men and it's as just like oh they're really really close friends and that's cool and in america that happens and we're like they're gay so <laughs> yeah but it's also interesting because it's like it's not like like their games are like just guys hanging out like a lot of the time like in resident evil and ace attorney it's usually like they're working alongside women too yeah which is nice to see it really is nice to see it being like the main characters aren't just men which I pride Resident Evil 4 because having it be that in pretty much every game they've made for the Resident Evil series, except for the most recent ones, and even a little bit there, having it be you have a male protagonist and a female protagonist, and both of them have deep invested storylines and characters, really does kind of paint that portrait of like we don't just care about the chris redfields and leon s kennedys of the world we also care about the claire redfields and the jill valentines which you know good for them yeah but But anyway anyway resident evil (laughs) one right so in resident evil one for anyone who is here Maybe because they want to play Resident Evil, and maybe we're Which, going to be the reason that you do. You should. You should. Resident Which, Evil... Honestly, I don't... There's only certain horror games I can do, and, like, I can actually play Resident Evil, because it's not, like... I think it's the fact that you have a gun, and you can shoot things that are coming at you. And, like, yeah. I like I cannot play Outlast, because you, you were literally, like, helpless. And it's just, like, it just stresses me out just, like, watching people play it. So, like, those kind of survival horrors where it's basically, like, 
Well, if they see if they see you, you're fucked, or you better run. I I cannot play this. Yeah. So it's like if if you're here because you're wondering if you should play and you're like looking for a reason, we're gonna give you a reason because we're gonna go through so much lore and history of these games, starting with Chris. So Chris Redfield, some backstory on Chris, and spoiler alert extends for the rest of this thing that yeah. we're going to be going through plot we're going to be going through characters so if you're not a fan of spoilers then this video is probably not for you also it's worth noting that these are all fan speculations everything that we're about to say is not fact it's not confirmed in canon this is just us making observations and having fun discussing it so if you do not agree that's fine and if you do great either way we hope you enjoy yeah also this podcast so, you probably shouldn't play it around children because we tend to kind of like casually swear sometimes i swear like a sailor yeah, yeah and we'll be i mean when we talk about gay stuff Albert it might Wesker, because he's not it might get nsfw i don't know but just in case <laughs> just in case like just just know so, in talking about Chris Redfield, we're going to start with the fact that, in backstory, Chris and Claire Redfield were orphaned when they were young because their parents died. And after their parents died, they, Chris kind of ended up taking care of Claire, and he eventually ended up joining STARS, the Special Tactics and Rescue Squad from the raccoon police the raccoon de police police uh, department yeah, i don't know why i had problems with that <laughs> yeah they're basically just like a special like a special tactics a tactics special yeah tactics branch of the raccoon city police department now they're a very specialized team that is their job is to just go in and rescue people in a situation so in resident evil 1 when we meet Chris Redfield for the very first time, the whole plan is that they're going to the Spencer, the Spencer Mansion because there's reports of strange activity and they haven't been able to get in contact with the Bravo team that was sent there to report strange happenings. Well, they walk into a clusterfuck of shit. Yeah. Just Don't they, like, they first like, get, like, chased by, like, the dogs, right? They get chased by the dogs out of the woods into the mansion, and they're like, oh, it's quiet. Here. Now, like we said, male and female protagonist, you can choose one when you first start playing the game. If you play as Chris Redfield, which, for the purposes of this, we are playing as Chris Redfield, you get to explore the Spencer Mansion, and you have the scariest scene from a 90s video game that is referenced in, like, Every single horror video game moments that scare the shit out of us, when he walks into that fucking door animation, and there's just a man diseased eating another man on the bed. Like, it's no big deal. Just casual ass just eating something. Yeah, the, the, the slow head turn. 
Yeah. Where it looks at you. That slow head turn with, like, blood dripping off of its mouth. Yeah. And then it gets up groaning and starts to, like, come at Chris. And you have to then either shoot it dead with, like, the six bullets to your name, or you have to... Run. I think you have to shoot it dead. I think. But either way, then, you have to go back to the foyer, where you asked Wesker and Jill to wait for you. And guess what? Guess who's not waiting for you? <laughs> Jill both, and Wesker. Both of them? <laughs> They're just gone. So now, this kind of starts to get into what we mean by queer coding. Like, we've already talked about that Chris drinks his respect women juice, which probably goes back to raising his sister. And just him being a good person. Like, Jill is his partner, and he goes out of his way in every game to remind people that Jill is his partner. And that's important because it really is just a lot of times female partners in games with a male protagonist get shoehorned into the love interest. No, not, not Jill, he, though. It, no, no, because he goes out of his way every time that someone's like, so Jill Valentine, huh? He's like, yeah, she's my partner. And you're <laughs> like, like, okay, Chris. He's like, don't be a dick. Very specific, Chris. Very specific. But then you get to spend parts of Resident Evil with Albert Wesker. And now Albert Wesker is the captain of stars. And spoiler alert, he's about to betray you. Yeah. No, like my one of my favorite parts of that game that like uh, we always talk about is when the the girl I I feel bad because I always forget her name, but the Lisa Trevor. It, yeah, Lisa Trevor, the one who got like experimented on for years and stuff. When she's like coming at you and you have the option to either you have the magnum or you give the magnum to your partner and they'll cover for you. And when it's Wesker, when you choose Wesker to cover for you, he actually does, like, shoot the gun and cover you while you're trying to do, like, a puzzle while she's, like, coming at you. <laughs> Versus if you play as Jill, it's Barry who covers for you. He does not do, like, jack shit. He literally just stands there with the magnum and points it at her and doesn't shoot it at all. <laughs> He's just like, no, I feel bad. And Wesker's like, I feel nothing. He's Come like, at no. me and die. This is a survival horror. I have to save my ammo. <laughs> so, like, yeah, Wesker, spoiler, <laughs> Wesker's not a good person. And no, he, he's not. He's, like, the worst person, like, imaginable. Yeah, we, we do not condone Albert Wesker. I love Albert Wesker as a villain, but, like, as a yeah. person, he's he, the Ted Bundy of video games. He support, he's, well, he's, like, a major sociopath, and he also supports, like, eugenics and, like, people... People being some people being like genetically superior to like other people and like the whole thing with five he wants to basically just like destroy the world except for the people who have the right genes basically which we'll get to there there's there's some explanation and we'll get to it yeah the but with Chris like the main inklings a lot of times with Chris for us anyway is some very specific things which is like in one, there's not as much because one, unfortunately, is a product of its time, which games in the 90s were kind of 
in a voiced game, it's hard to have a lot to go off of. But there's one particular mm -hmm. scene, and you know which one I'm talking about, that's, <laughs> that's perfect for them. And it's literally just the scene where Wesker betrays you. And in this scene, Wesker, you're in a laboratory, you walk in on Wesker, and he's like, great, Chris, let me show you something. And Chris is literally like, oh my god, what's this? Is this the... And then Wesker's just like, yes, <laughs> like that's that right. He just seemed so excited to show him the the proto-tyrant. Like, he even just led him down there. He's like, hey, look at this. It's the coolest shit you'll ever He's, see. Like, which, it should be known that, like, Wesker is very good at hiding his intentions. And yet, he shows Chris. He goes out of his way to show Chris. And like you said, very excitedly, is like, look at this. And Chris is like, Chris's reaction, which is the best reaction in gaming ever, is to fucking laugh. Yeah. Do you want me, do you want me to run the clip? Yeah, run the clip. Okay, here, here's the scene. It is beautiful. Is this? That's right. This is the ultimate life form. Tyrant! <laughs> Chris? Stop it! Stop it, Chris, the most, please. The most beautiful part about it is how a hurt he sounds. Like He does, he like he doesn't even sound angry about it. He's just like, why? Like why are you laughing? Yeah, like Wesker was like, I want you to be part of this with me. I want you to join me in this, Chris. And Chris was like, Chris's laugh is not the laugh of like this is funny. It is literally like there's nothing else I can do but laugh at this. Yeah, like I feel like so much like so much shit has happened and it's just like a stress laugh basically because he doesn't know like how else to take this. If you don't know what Tyrant is, by the way. Tyrant is a it's basically like a product of the T virus that they had created. And <coughs> it is a hulking muscular monstrosity that's basically like we were just talking about this before starting recording and i would equate it to wesker in this moment is frankenfurter in rocky horror picture show when he first <laughs> makes rocky and he like it really is it's like look at my creation isn't he the most beautiful thing to ever exist he's like just look at him he's humanity's greatest hope and invention He's the ultimate life form. And then Chris is like, yeah, <laughs> okay. Your greatest life form is a <laughs> naked Ken doll. Okay. Yeah. I think that, I think that game is also like, like, I don't know what kind of carnage and stuff Chris has seen like before this game, but I think it's like, it's probably the first time he like is the start of seeing people just die in front of him. It's also probably just the start of like, Wow, B.O.W.s exist. Yeah, it's like, wow, this is some, like, really fucked up shit, and then just gets, like, worse, worse from there. Yeah. And that's the end of Resident Evil 1. Um, yeah, it's, after not, it's that, not that long. Yeah, and after that, Wesker dies. Like, 
Okay. Yeah, but Chris, Chris watches him. Dies. He watches him get impaled by the tyrant. Because, much like Frankenfurter, things turn on you. Yep. I guess that would be Frankenstein, but whatever. It's fine. <laughs> it's whatever. Yeah. And now we go on to one of the gayest games <laughs> in the entire franchise, yeah. Code Veronica. Which is ironic because it also has one of the straightest characters in the entirety. Or I should say straightest male characters in the I mean, entirety of Resident he, Evil. Yeah, he's he's like straight in like, like the stereotypical creepy straight male who thinks that the girl likes him back when she really doesn't and then tries to make a move on her and it's just really awkward. My favorite part about the Wikipedia is that they say that he dies a heroic death and I'm like... <laughs> You're really pushing. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's being nice. I don't know if I would call it that. Yeah, if if you ever see... If you ever play the game or watch a walkthrough, you'll understand. Just look for Steve Burnside. He's probably, like, one of the most hated male characters. <laughs> and it's partially because of his voice actor, which... The voice acting for Code Veronica leaves a lot to be yeah. desired. Well, it's like... I think it's the product of a lot of, like... Um like, late 90s video games, when video games were starting to become, like, more of a mainstream thing and, like, technology was getting better for them. I think because they're so focused on, like, you know, having the the graphics good and stuff, I I don't think they're as focused on having the voice acting be that good. Yeah. So... They were just like, hmm. Yeah, it's always funny, because it sounds like they're using different microphones. Like, they're just having them record the voice lines, like, at their house or something. And they're, like, all different qualities, different-sounding kind of voices. And it's just, like, really funny. <laughs> and again, it's it's from the late 90s, early 2000s, so it's kind of expected because voice acting wasn't necessarily new, but, like, a fully voice-acted game really was new. Yeah. You're... Well, like, so... now it's, like, now it's, like, voice acting is, like, top... Not all the time, but most of the time it's pretty top-notch, like, quality stuff which but at the time I don't think they were I don't think they were very like concerned about having the voice acting be that great exactly but where this matters for for our for our thing is definitely that uh, uh, Chris and Wesker once again appear and the appearance here is just straight up amazing like again backstory that the whole plot of Code Veronica is three months after the events of two and three, which kind of don't matter for Chris and Wesker, minus the fact that Claire gets kidnapped and sent to, like, Rockfort Island, which is, like, a secret umbrella facility that's run by the Ashford twins, um, who oh, are just... Those two. <laughs> yeah, which... It is implied that they're incestuous, so yikes. So that, that's something. <laughs> um, Alfred literally laughs like this. <laughs> it, hold on, I totally forgot to look that up, but now I have to play that because it's something that like needs to be heard. <laughs> it is. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Consider the area you are in a special 
playground I have prepared just for you. Please try and keep me amused, and do not disappoint me by dying too soon. I so want to enjoy this. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> Someone got paid. <laughs> Someone got paid for that. <laughs> and honestly, good for you. I don't even know who voices Alfred Ashford, but good for you. <laughs> I was like mouthing along the whole time. <laughs> oh my god. We've listened to these clips too many times. But, um. Yeah, yeah. So, where Chris comes into this is that Leon S. Kennedy is like, Your sister got kidnapped. And Chris is like, Oh no, I've got to go save Claire. And Claire was looking for Chris. So it's like, perfect. Except. Albert Wesker shows up. I'm doing an eye wiggle and you can't see it, but I am. <laughs> yeah, he just... When he first shows up, it's so funny to me because he literally is just like... Claire's like, who the, who the fuck are you? And he's just like, I'm here to haunt your brother. And just proceeds to like kick her ass for like no reason. <laughs> yeah, he's just... Again, we don't condone Wesker. He is the opposite of Chris. No, no he's like... He's, I would say he's definitely, like, a misogynist. <laughs> Chris respects his respect women, too. <laughs> like, I think Wesker sees them as, like, a meat... Like, he sees the use for them if they, like, have a use at the time. And then he's just like, yeah, never mind. Die. <laughs> yeah, he's like, okay, good. See ya. Well, Chris, in his endeavor to try and save Claire is, of course, met with Wesker getting in the way with one of the greatest lines in video game history. Do we have the clip? <laughs> yeah, I have it. For Here. the fishy line. My fucking god. <laughs> Chris, oh little fishy, come see my hook. Like, he said that so quickly. Even, we don't even have to do an episode for Wesker. Wesker is gay rights like, himself. I, I, I'm really, I'm, I mean, we know, okay, so we know he was there for Alexia and, um, that she has the, what virus was that? I'm so not on my info right now. It was one of the, it was like the, it was a tyrant variant. It was a T-virus variant. Yeah, T-virus variant. And she was like, actually like, like a complete subject with it. And I know he was there to like get, either get her or at least get a sample of it from her. If he couldn't like actually capture her. But I feel like a part of the reason he came there was just to mess with Chris. Yeah, it's like as soon as he sees Chris... And this is a reoccurring theme. As soon as he knows that Chris is there, it goes from like, I have a mission to, ooh, okay, Chris. Yeah, he like sees him on the camera. He's like, oh, he's here. I'm going to do this, even though I should, I probably should be like actually doing my job right now. Yeah, and like, the best part about it is I don't even think Wesker succeeds at getting it. Because the self-destruct part of like the mansion starts. And 
he literally looks at Chris and he's like, "Yeah, oh, he gets some. Um, he does get it because he takes Steve." Oh, that's right. Yeah, because uh, because Steve. Steve got infected by it and he and then he died and he's and then Wesker wasn't able to like extract Alexia, so he was just like, "Yeah, no, this this works. I'll take this yoink. guy." Opportunity presented itself and he went yoink. Yeah, he did. But. During the whole time, like, he just goes out of his way. Like, he beats the shit out of Claire in front of Chris because he can. And yeah, he's just, he, like... He, he literally tells Chris, because he shows up while, like, he's fighting Alexia. And he literally goes, you're one of my best men, Chris. Good luck. And then just, like, runs off. Yeah, and he's like, you can handle the rest of this. And Chris is like, uh, yeah, I'm going to save my sister. Um, bye. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is why I'm here. I'm not here for whatever, I'm, like, is going on here. It's like, I'm not here for you. Which... Even, he Chris, seems... Wesker really does seem to get joy. Like, a weird sexual joy out, out of, like, beating the shit out of Chris. He really does. Like, he literally sits there and he's like, I'm stronger than you remember like, me, Chris. Yeah, like, he's he has a weird enjoyment with it. Like, he does all his fancy moves and he, like, talks the whole time. Like, like in Code Veronica, where, where he's like, I'm not human anymore, but look at my power. And, like, like backhands him and, like, kicks, kicks him in the face and stuff. Yeah, he, he has a thing. He has, he, like, he, he has a kink. And, like, because with, with Claire, he doesn't... It's not the same. Like, he doesn't sit there and, like, play with her. Like, he very much is like, you're in my way. Get out of it. And then with yeah. Chris, he's like, be in my way. Please. Yeah, no, he, he kind of just smacks her around a bit, and then he's like, see ya. And, like, backflips. Like, backflips into the, the abyss or something. Because he's dramatic as fuck. But this leads us into Revelations, which on the timeline, Revelations is like, I don't remember where it falls, honestly. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I, have, I don't remember. Be honest. But <laughs> Revelations is where, like, this podcast episode becomes about Chris. Because, like, this is a turning point. Like, Chris before this is just not... A lot of the stuff in the beginning is like, Chris is just not your genuine main male character. And that's not to point to it as like, these are gay characteristics, but it's just like, okay, his relationship with Wesker is kind of weird. Like, they clearly have a hate ship. Yeah, like, and yeah, I do think Revelations is kind of like when he started getting more like characterization besides being just like the, the kind of stereotypical American white male American hero kind of guy. Yeah, and like the bootlicker, because he's a bootlicker. He is. He's like, yes, I'll follow orders. I'm not going to question it. I'll do whatever you say. In Revelations, there's a, there's a lot. There's a <laughs> boat, and then there's two boats, and there's a lot. But where it matters for Chris is really like, He's there, doing the mission, and he's still at that point, I believe he's still stars at that point. That's before BSAA. 
I... No, I'm pretty sure it is BSAA. Oh, is it? Is that the beginning of BSAA? Yeah, because I think STARS is effectively, like, done. Oh, right. Because okay. they most of them got killed off in the, the Nemesis attacks and stuff. Because uh, I think it's literally only Jill, Chris, and Barry, and I, you can count Rebecca, even though she's not really, like, a part of it anymore. Like, I think they're pretty much, like, the only survivors from STARS. Yeah, and it takes place after Resident Evil 4, so that gives you some some point. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure they are, and um, him and Jill are, are partners in the BSA. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And there's an abandoned cruise ship called the Queen Zenobia, and they're... Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then it really is just one of those, like... Jill believes that Chris is kidnapped. She comes in to find him, and it—he's—it's a fake. It's and it's true. not him. <laughs> yeah. It's like a whole like and, mix mix them up. Yeah. And in this, Chris ends up working with this person, <laughs> Jessica. And we, oh, Jessica, we love you. <laughs> Yeah, Jessica is one of the very... There are approximately three female characters in the series of Resident Evil who get the sexy girl treatment, of which only one of them is a mainstay character, and her sexy girl treatment is, I will break you. Yeah, Ada is the best one. Yeah, a Ada has a special place in my heart. Like, the, the other two make the mistake of trying... To flirt with the characters who are gay and it doesn't work yeah so jessica spends a very good portion of her screen time in revelations wearing outfits that are impractical including a suit that has one leg and the other one's just exposed to the elements <laughs> yeah you know that it makes a whole lot of sense when they're like in the deep, like, not the deep, they're in, like, by the cold waters of the ocean and stuff. It would totally make sense. Yeah, like, obviously, that's what you need. And it just, it, number one, it doesn't work because Chris is very clearly, like, I have a mission to do. And this is another reoccurring theme that Chris is, like, I have a mission to do. And my mission is to get rid of this virus that you guys are making and BOWs and I just don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah, it's like what is it? I think she was like she thought him and Jill, I think she thought them and him and Jill like were like together like romantically. And he once again and was she, like she's my partner. Yeah, for some reason she was getting like all jealous and being like I'm going to flirt with him and I'm going to show him I'm better than Jill because I don't know what she has against Jill, but for some reason she's like, like that. And every time she tries to flirt with him, like there's a scene where she literally like pretends to fall and falls like right on Chris. And he just kind of like holds her for a second, but then like helps her up. Like, are you okay? Blah, blah, blah. And then she, her, like the partner she's with, she's just like, Ugh, he didn't show me like any attention and stuff like that. And I'm like, 
Yeah, because he's like, you're trying to flirt with a gay man. <laughs> yeah, like, you're trying to flirt, and he doesn't see boobs. He legitimately is just like, you're not the thing I need to do, so I'm not gonna do you. Okay, bye. <laughs> and yeah. also, most notable, and the reason why Revelations is the most important to this episode, is it is the DLC. Because <laughs> there is nothing greater in the world than Chris Redfield's Revelations DLC outfit. Yeah, like they like think of the the sexy DLC outfits they usually give like women characters in games, but they gave they gave it to Chris. <laughs> they give all of them to Chris too. Yeah, like uh, Revelations uh, DLC outfit. Like if you if you have never seen it before, I would recommend looking it up just to see it. Um, it's basically Chris in this like sailor outfit, but it's more like a stripper sailor outfit like he's pretty much wearing booty shorts and the sleeves are cut really short so you can see like all his muscles and his arms and stuff and he's wearing like sunglasses and a captain's hat and a crop top do not forget the crop top. oh and the crop tops so you can you can see like everything and it's just like one of the greatest thing i've ever seen <laughs> and it literally is just like yeah okay all right and then they don't and they it doesn't really help that his other DLC outfits in 5 and 6 are, like, in a similar fashion. Yeah. Like, 5, he's wearing, like, a BDSM, like, Mad Max outfit. And 6 is, like, a, like a sexy samurai outfit with, like... It's like he's wearing, like, half a kimono, and the rest is, like, showing his chest and stuff. It's the greatest. They literally were, like... And then they're giving, like, the noir outfits and stuff to Jill and Claire. And, like, most of their outfits that they get for DLC that aren't mods. Because, let's be fair, these aren't mods. These are these DLC are, that they released. Yeah, these are official DLC outfits um, released by Capcom. The DLC outfits for, like, the remake of Resident Evil 2 for Claire and Leon are pretty much the same it's like you have the outfit that they wear in the remake you have the original outfits that they wore from the original game you also have like a noir outfit or you have like a military outfit that they can both wear there's things like that that you're like cool they can be like a police officer they can do this okay awesome and then in, in chris's games it's like we're gonna make you sexy we're gonna sex you up. <laughs> to the point where Brooke can no longer play Resident Evil 8 on her PlayStation because on the computer she has a mod that puts him into the sailor outfit and it makes Resident Evil 8 so much better. <laughs> yeah, it's the greatest, especially like when he's in the house and it's in a very like winter environment. It's like snowing and he's just in this like really skimpy outfit and I'm like, are you cold, Chris? <laughs> yeah, like, are you... Like... Like, I... I can what? just imagine... Imagine if, like, that actually happened. Like, e Ethan watches him walk in in that outfit, and he's just like, what the fuck is happening? He just shot my wife a bunch of times, and he's wearing this sailor outfit. <laughs> he would be trauma... Just straight up traumatized. That would be it. <laughs> he's already traumatized enough in aid. <laughs> But 
this leads into from revelations into um the game that kind of solidifies all of this which is re5 yes and re5 is very important for these two because it is basically a game that's got plot but the plot is basically chris and wesker yeah like i think literally the, i mean he's there in africa for like other reasons like the whole ouroboros thing and working with excella but i feel like he gets like super excited or he knows he almost like knows that chris is gonna show up because he's there yeah and there is a flashback i believe it's dlc but there is a flashback in five that's you get to play the through them fighting against wesker at the spencer mansion where wesker kills the person who created him he kills Oswald Spencer. Yes. And during this fight, once again, Wesker, in quotes, dies. And so does Jill. So, like, it is kind of like a rough time for for Chris. That it's like, oh, wow. Okay. Like. <laughs> yeah. Like, n- not counting how he is or how, like who he became in, like, Resident Evil 8. Like, in Resident Evil 5, he's very much that kind of person where I feel like he doesn't want to, like, kill people as an end to a mission. Like, I think his aim is always to just, like, capture his targets. It definitely is. Like, he has a very big idea of, like, rehabilitation and reform. Yeah, like, I feel like even with Wesker and, like, just how insane like he became i i think his goal was to still just like capture him yeah like i don't think he at all wanted wesker to die because spoiler alert wesker in quotes dies because we don't believe it but you know yeah um well we could we can talk about like the stuff in re5 with them and then we can kind of like discuss like uh the whole uh, Alex Wesker stuff. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. That'll be more of, yeah. That'll be more, like, Wesker stuff, and then leading into, like, the our current theories for, like, past RE8. Yeah. So, the five stuff is just, it's a lot. Like, if you look up quotes, Albert Wesker quotes, 90% of his best quotes come from five, and 90% of them are <laughs> directed at Chris. Yeah, and if you've seen, like, the 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 old live-action um, Resident Evil movies with, like, Alice and stuff, um, the Wesker in those movies where he, like, the scene where he throws his sunglasses and it's all, like, really dramatic and in slow motion, that, that all comes from Resident Evil 5. Yeah, that is, that is basically scene for scene. Like, taken. that scene is, like, like, shot for shot that is from that scene in RE5. Yeah. And which is great because that was a very well choreographed Matrix moment for the Resident Evil series. And <laughs> you gotta feel bad for Sheva. Now, as we said <laughs> in the backstory of Five, Jill and Chris go to investigate the Spencer Mansion because the Spencer Mansion is just cursed. And when they get there, they run into Albert Wesker, who has successfully killed Oswald Spencer, and they get into a fight with him. During the ensuing fight, 
Jill tackles Wesker out a window, and they fall, presumably, to their death. So, rest in peace, you two awesome people. So, so yet again, Chris having to watch people die in front of him. I say, quote-unquote, die, because they don't actually, but, you know, he doesn't know that. And Wesker for the second time. So, you know, rough. Well... The BSAA is like, you've had enough mourning period over Jill. We're going to send you to Africa to deal with this growing problem that we have over here of people being infected with some strange virus. And <laughs> then he's paired up with Sheva, who is a local, a local police officer and a local special agent who is a badass. She, she's like, she's like the best. Like, I really want them to bring her back i'm like she can't just be stuck into one game yeah she she is really she is a really fun character and considering that she's only in one game they did give her a lot of backstory to kind of like or not a lot of backstory i should say i should say that like they give her a lot of character to kind of bring to the table unfortunately though she is kind of overshadowed by the fact that uh wesker finds out that chris is in africa <laughs> and it is one big old reunion, by which we mean that, once again, Wesker is on his hate boner and is like, I'm going to share with you my whole I'm going to destroy the world project. And Chris is like, oh, good. This again. <laughs> oh, good. I, I have to deal with you a third time. Are you going to die on me again? <laughs> Yeah, basically. And as you go through five and you get to the actual Wesker stuff, um, you really do get to see kind of what we mean with like Chris having this weird kind of captain complex for Wesker. Because you would think at this point, after watching Wesker almost die quite a few times, and also just all the awful things that Wesker has done and all the awful things he's talking about during the game you're kind of expecting that Chris is gonna just be like take the shot man <laughs> yeah he, he, he literally just stands there and points his gun at him and when he does shoot he already at this point knows that Wesker's gonna dodge cause Wesker's superhuman so like yeah and like a, a gunshot like isn't going to kill him no no, and I guess you could say there's the futility of it that he knows that, like, he's not enough to take down Chris. Or, not enough, wow, okay. <laughs> Isn't enough to take down Wesker. But there is kind of that, like, <laughs> weird sentiment of it. Where I do feel like Chris is just... There's that part of him that really thinks that Wesker's lost his mind, but maybe he can be saved like there has to be some part of him yeah i i feel like he's he's a very like at this time he's still a very like hopeful person and like again i think he he wants to like capture him alive one because of like all the information that wesker knows alone could really help like stop bioterrorism and these viruses and stuff so I think he's thinking of it like that way, but then I think he also like still kind of sees him as his like captain from stars and he's still like if we're going with the 
the queer stuff here, like, he probably still, if he had a crush, a big crush on him during Stars, he probably still has those kind of, like, lingering feelings, too. And I mean, like, as much as we don't condone Wesker, Wesker is very much so an impressive person. Like, he had a PhD by the age of 17. He's, yeah, he was he was a child prodigy. Yeah, he was a genius. And, like, he has been at the forefront of, like, all of the bioweapons, everything like that. Like, all this biomedical engineering happening in the games. He's right there as all of these things are happening. And granted, he kind of, like... He rides off the backs of other inventors as well, but that's not to discredit the fact that Wesker knows what he's doing, and he's a charming sociopath. <laughs> he really is. Like, he he knows when to like lay on the charm and stuff. And in five, he lays on the charm a lot to Chris. Like, there's a lot of times when he's talking to Chris in five, where he's trying to explain to Chris his whole plan for the world, which is not a good one. We do not condone <laughs> no. eugenics. And his whole plan is to kill, to release Ouroboros, a genetic virus which will wipe out six billion people in the world. And he cannot for the life of him understand <laughs> why Chris is not here for it. Why can't you understand, Chris? <laughs> that is a literal line he says to Chris. He's like, what? He is. Do, you, do you want me to run that one? I, I don't know if we need that one, honestly. That one's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> but but the, the, the seven minutes one, though. Oh, yes. When you finally do get to fight him, he has a beautiful line that if you want to play that now, that is... Uh... Yeah. Seven minutes. Seven minutes is all I can spare to play with you. <laughs> like, clearly, oh my God. Wesker is like, you are just a toy for me. Yeah, he's really and like, this is just like, this is just like a nuisance and I will entertain it for yeah. seven minutes only. He's like a cat that has this mouse that keeps coming out of its hole and he just is obsessed with this mouse. Yeah. It's always just Chris. It's like, he has this, like, fascination with him with, and, like, nobody else. Yeah, he does. He's like, yeah, because like, even at the, at the end of the game when he's, like, going to die in the lava, all he's screaming is just, like, Chris's name. Yeah, he does. His, like, death cry is that. And, like, it could be like, no, or it could be him being like, my plans have gone to shit, and instead it's like, this is Chris's fault. Yeah. And that leads... I, I'll touch on it later when we get into, like, the later stuff, but that also leads into my... Like, my, my theories about him, pa like, his consciousness passing on to Chris and all that. Yeah. And, like, the biggest thing for Chris in this game is that leading into the next few games, you kind of have this sense of, like, Chris does definitely regret the death of Albert Wesker. Like, there is very much so a part of Chris that 
is very true for unfortunately a lot of people who are the victims of knowing sociopaths i mean i watch a lot of true crime podcasts i don't know how many of our viewers do but if anyone has you've probably run into cases of sociopathic killers who are charming just like albert wesker who had not even victims but survivors who would end up talking about how you know no matter what bad things they did they would come back because they just knew exactly what to say and like chris really is one of those people with wesker where it's like no matter what wesker does chris can never be the one that kind of pulls the trigger and even sheva notices it because when you first see wesker alive in five he says to Chris this whole, like, it's a big family reunion, we're back together kind of stuff. And Sheva just, like, looks at Chris, like, there is clearly some shit happening here. And I am confused and concerned. <laughs> I feel like she almost feels like she's, like, caught in the middle or, like, the third wheel. Yeah, she's just like, um... <laughs> she's like, uh... You know, I, I don't know what's here. going on. I'm kind she's... of just here, and there's, like, a whole thing happening between you two. She's like, aren't you here to kill zombies? Because he doesn't look like a zombie. It's like, aren't we here to, like, get your partner back and stuff? <laughs> well, he doesn't know that Jill is alive. He only finds out that because Wesker's like, I have a present for you. It's your partner. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a party. Who I, you know, who I kept alive. And <laughs> it's weird, too, because, like, in the lore of Resident Evil 5, Jill Valentine was infected with the T-virus in Resident Evil 3. Don't worry, we'll talk about it in a different episode. Yeah, we can probably, like, talk about that when we talk about, like, the women of Resident Evil. That's what I was thinking. And because of this... He wants to experiment on her with viral technology and is like, oh, I can't because you're infected. Instead of just killing her, which would have made the most sense. It would have been like, okay, you're useless to me. I can't use you. He was like, oh, wait, I can. I don't know when. Like, I don't know where. I can, I can I use you to toy with Chris because I, I know your partners and stuff. Yeah, he literally was like, I'm going to just keep you specifically because I know at some point Chris is going to try and stop me and I could just deploy you on him and it's going to break him like a tree, like a branch. What is it? Like a twig. I'm sorry. I'm dumb. <laughs> like, a tr <laughs> like anything that can snap in half. <laughs> yeah, if he could snap it in half, which I mean, he could definitely break a tree in half, so I guess it works. But He could. He'd be like uh, that... <laughs> That scene of Chris Evans when he just, like, as Captain America, when he just, like, snaps that log in half. <laughs> exactly. That is, that is that's Wesker. A, that's Wesker. <laughs> so, like, he deploys Jill. Um, don't worry, because they managed to save Jill. And they're like, we're gonna, we're gonna fix this. But not before Chris is like, but <laughs> first I have to go after Wesker. <laughs> Even Jill, because I feel like she's... Well, for one, she's, like, tired as shit from being, like, mind-controlled and stuff. And she's like, yeah, go do it. 
she knows. She's like, yep, he's gonna go after Wesker. He's like, this is just yeah, I, I know, I know that. Yeah, she's like, it's given. And like, granted, he is trying to destroy the human race, so she's like, this is kind of important, but, and Chris clearly, like after that, there's a point where Chris is like, this man is insane. He, he he is insane. And he, yeah, he is. Like, he's batshit crazy. Why can't you understand, Chris? But they, you end up fighting uh, Wesker, and most of Wesker's monologue is just him explaining to Chris his evil plans and monologuing, <laughs> which includes this beautiful monologue he gives that is specifically geared to Chris. And it's right as you fight Excella, who we have to discuss. Because, like, <laughs> Excella is the Jessica of this game. She is, like, her dress, like, literally looks like it, it's going to slip off her at any moment. It does. It Like, one good cut to the back of it, and that's it. It's done. Which you probably shouldn't be using in a laboratory. And, like, Excella is actually Wesker's boss in the game. But you can't tell because her <laughs> only thought about Wesker is getting in his pants. Yeah. It's like, one of my favorite scenes from the game when she's like, obviously trying to flirt with him after she gives him one of the injections because Wesker needs injections to like stay stable. Um, but she's like, kind of feeling him up Sort of, and he's literally like has a, gr a grimace on his face the whole time, like he's gonna fucking kill her. <laughs> he's like, if you weren't, if you like he looks have like that research, <laughs> he looks like he's about to snap. <laughs> he does, and then he he does like he does grab her chin and like force her head away from him. Yeah, like he he very much so is like, bitch, I'm gay. At that point, she's like, eh, it's all, like, like pouty and stuff. And when like, she... How, how dare you fucking touch me? And when she finally meets Excella, she's all excited, because she's like, I get to fight you on behalf of Wesker. And then Wesker, during his monologue that's over a speaker, because this man cannot be interrupted, he is monologuing to Chris about his plan to take over the world using Ouroboros and eugenics and Excella starts having some weird convulsions and he's like oh I'm sorry Excella it looks like you caught Ouroboros guess you're not making it to the afterlife and she's like Wesker why and Chef is like oh my god I thought they were partners and Chris is like no Wesker doesn't care about anybody but himself. And then Wesker <laughs> yeah. immediately is like... And me, apparently. Yeah, then immediately Wesker addresses Chris about this. And I'm just like, clearly he cares about you. Like, he clearly does. There's, there's definitely, like, something about you that he's, like, fascinated with. Because it's always just, like, Chris that has his attention. Yeah, it's definitely, like, I do, my biggest theory on this, and I, is that Chris not approving of Tyrant 
hit something. Because, like, Chris really respected Wesker as his captain. That is, in one, that is, like, a thing. Like, he had a lot of respect for his captain, and he has a lot of respect for authority. Like we said, he's a bootlicker. So, <laughs> yeah, he, he has this respect for his captain, and Wesker is known for having these, like, past moments and like with excella he is very good at getting close to people who have research or who could be useful and getting them in his pocket and i feel like chris was that person in the resident evil series was he wanted chris to be his next puppet or like his i need to look like a good guy and i'm gonna have chris be the person because if chris is like this tyrant project could change the world People are going to be like, oh, Chris is a good guy. Like, maybe it will. If Wesker says it, they're going to be like... <laughs> yeah, okay. Know, <laughs> so he's like, if I have Chris on board, and then Chris immediately laughs at him, and now he's like, I'm going to get back at you. Just you wait. He really does. Like, the more I think about it, I'm like, this just makes the most sense to me. Yeah, like... Wesker is just trying to get back at him for that one scene in Resident Evil 1. He's like, with Chris, he's like, I have to prove to you that I'm right and you're wrong and I'm going to do everything to do it. It's happening. <laughs> and this leads into the death of Albert Wesker in the beginning... The quote-unquote death. <laughs> yeah, in the beginning of Resident Evil 6. Which is kind of like the downfall of Chris. It's the beginning of the downfall of Chris. Yeah, like, Chris definitely has, like, a visible change of character after six and, like, so on after that. And even, so like... It's like, when you open, because for one, like, Resident Evil 6, you go through different characters and you get fragments of the story, like, through them. And they all come together to form, like, the main story. It's honestly... If you, if you think about checking it out, I would honestly recommend just watching the cutscene movie because there's one, there's a few that people have just put everything in chronological order. So it makes more sense. So I, I would definitely recommend watching it that way because it's kind of a, in my opinion, it's kind of a pain in the ass to play. Yeah, it's, it's one of those games that definitely, they did not make it very easy. No, there, there's a reason it's not people's favorite game. Yeah. And it, it's kind of confusing because, again, you do jump around characters and timelines. So yeah, yeah, it's all very different. But but when you start, um, Chris, if you start with Chris's, the first thing you see is a scene of him in a bar, like, drunk off his ass from, like, drinking a bunch of whatever, scotch or something, like, some kind of hard alcohol. And... Uh, he is not very respectful to, to the woman bartender, which is what threw me for a loop at first, because I'm, like, used to, you know, Chris is mainly respectful towards women and, like, everybody, and he was like, pour me another drink, sweetheart, blah, 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 and I'm like, what is happening right now? Like, are you sure you're Chris Wesker? I'm like, is this Chris? <laughs> yeah, and then I think Pierce is the one that actually, like, pulls him out of the bar, like, what the fuck are you doing? And Pierce and Chris are one of those mainstay ships of Resident Evil. Oh, they are. I love Pierce so much. <laughs> yeah, and it really is because they are just those partners that 
Pierce kind of takes Jill's place in Zix as being his his partner that's there for him. And they have yeah. a very similar relationship to how he has with Jill. But he... That Pierce is, like, very much akin to, like, I would say, a puppy dog. Yeah. Like, he wants to please him and, like, do his best and stuff. Like, he really looks up to him. And, like, even when they introduce Finn to him, um, and Finn's like, wow, he's really great. I've heard, like, so many great things about him. And Pierce is just like, yeah, well, I I know him better than you, so. Yeah, like, Pierce actually gets a little bit jealous of Finn being... Having he really, he really does. <laughs> I can't. So speak funny. Tonight. I can't. It's okay. But yeah, he he definitely does have that feeling. And but yeah, you you can tell like, for one, like all the deaths Chris has seen and and Wesker like dying at the end of five, like they weren't able to just like capture him. I think like all that stuff is just kind of, like, starting to weigh on Chris, and I'm trying to think of, like, the timeline of Six. I think when he's drinking at the bar is, um... That's after Finn's dead. Yeah, it's after Finn and that whole squad just, like, dies, like, in front of him, and he can't do anything about it. And this is a reoccurring theme, is that people die in front of him, and Chris can't do anything about it. Yeah, like, Pierce dies at the end of Six, basically in the same kind of fashion where, like, he gets infected by the C. I think it's the C virus. Yeah, the I might be wrong. Yeah, he gets infected by the C virus, and I think Chris is still trying to remain optimistic. And he's like, "Yeah, we we'll get you back, and we'll help you, and stuff like that. We just got to get out of here." And Pierce basically like sacrifices himself. Like he pushes Chris into the escape pod and closes the door. So like Chris is literally like. It's so, like, heartbreaking to watch because Chris is just, like, banging on the door, like, Pierce and stuff, and you just see him, they're, like, looking at each other until the escape pod finally, like, launches, and the place just, like, blows up. And this is after being, like, this is after having a discussion where Chris is, like, you know, you would make a really good captain one day, and Pierce is, like, yeah, maybe when you retire, and it's, like, it's, (laughs) it's what Chris and Wesker could have been if Wesker wasn't an asshole. Yeah, like, they had a whole plan of, like, Pier- like Pierce becoming captain after he's, like, done with the whole thing. And, uh, <laughs> that doesn't work out. No, and, like, even with Finn, like, Finn, when he died, it- it's tragic. And... It's really sad. And in every single case, Wesker, Finn, Pierce, it's the same thought of they are overcome by some kind of bioweapon, and then die in a way in which Chris cannot save them or is just in a circumstance where he just is powerless and it's it's clearly weighing on him yeah like you can see it just like in the way he he's like well for one he's growing older though I'm not sure I have a whole theory that he's a POW but that's a different thing but you can definitely see like the stress starting to like show up like on his face and stuff yeah, and you can see the gruffness, and you can see, like, the... He definitely has that kind of people thing. And in Six... In Six, like, he is very distrusting. It is very much, like, Chris is a completely different character than he was he, in every other yeah, game. Yeah, he is. Like, 
including to the point where it's like there's a copy of Ada Wong. We're not even going to get into it because it's just. It's, <laughs> it's a whole thing. It's a, it's whole a different. Thing. It's for a different episode when we focus on Ada. We can talk about that. Yeah, it's a whole thing. And when that all happens, he has like a rage boner for Ada Wong. And it's really a deciding factor of like everyone kind of being like, well, you have to decide. Are you going to get revenge or are you going to like just let this go? And Chris has always been the character, like we said, who doesn't pull the trigger, who, when given the chance between capture and kill, has always been capture first, yeah. never kill. And now he's like, I'm going to kill that bitch. <laughs> yeah, like he literally is like, put her in front of me and see what happens. And at the same time, we have kind of a wild card in here because Albert Wesker has a son. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Jake Mueller is in RE6. And the thing about this, because I feel it should be stated, is remember how we said a few minutes ago that Wesker is very good at playing the nice guy in the neighborhood card and like finding someone to put in his pocket that's like, hey, guess what? It's very much yeah. so... If you I know... I know it's, like, a point that it's usually gets brought up as a counterpoint whenever, like, you know, people like me and stuff are being, like, Albert Wesker is, like, evil gay as fuck. Because he is. But then they'll be like, well, what about, like, his son? He obviously, like, slept with a lady and got her pregnant. And I'm like, yeah, but, like, we we know Wesker. Like, I, it was definitely, to me, it was definitely for his his own cover at the time. Yeah, like, it definitely was, because they were working at Umbrella, and once again, like most things, as far as I remember, I believe that she was, like, a higher-ranked official in the thing. There's not a lot of stuff known about Jake Mueller's mom, like, just no, so you know. She, she doesn't her, have a name. No, like, we don't even know, like, really, like, who she was. We just kind of know, like, some basic info that the games gave us. Like, it's implied that they work together... And that that's how he met her. So most likely she was another target of like him trying to steal her research. But yeah. they apparently had enough going on where Wesker got his freak on. And not... They apparently like were like, fuck using condoms or something. <laughs> yeah, and so she got pregnant and she left to go back to Edonia like right afterwards and didn't tell him. And it's not like Wesker was like, ah, I'm going to find her. Wesker just moved on with his life. He was like, uh, <laughs> that lasted uh, a bit longer than my other covers, but you know. But you know, it again, he had no idea. He never, it's never mentioned from his perspective. It's literally just like a wild card that they throw at Chris because they can't let Chris not have a Wesker. It's just, it can't yeah. happen. I mean, I mean, I love Jake's like one of my favorite characters, but oh, yeah. Like I think I think you're right in that where they like they just wanted to kind of have another Wesker in there. So they kinda of just like made up a thing about this lady <laughs> and then like how Jake came to be basically. And when, when he first meets Jake this becomes a thing because Leon mentions Wesker. By the way, Leon's the like the only character in the series who's never actually met Albert Wesker. <laughs> He's like, Good thing I don't know. 
And I don't I don't want to know. Jake doesn't really know anything about Albert Wesker because his mother basically was like he was this he was this guy, this like good guy. I believe she like kind of the impression is that she kind of talks about him as a good guy and like she must have had a good impression of him, which makes sense cuz he's a sociopath and he knew exactly how to present himself to her to be like favorable. Yeah. And <laughs> and Jake's like, "Nah, he's a deadbeat." Because when she gets sick, because, spoiler alert, she gets sick and eventually, you know, things happen. He ha- Jake has to take care of her and ends up joining the Adonian Revolutionary Forces during this whole thing. Because while she's sick, there's really nothing there to help him. And he's like, this is my deadbeat dad. If he was so great, why isn't here to, why isn't he here to take care of us during this hard time? And lo and behold, in the events of Six, everyone's kind of like, so remember how you, your mom told you that he was good? <laughs> well. Well, you know. And just... it's funny because, like, when when Chris first sees Jake, like, the first thing he notes was, like, he kind of looks like Wesker. Yeah, that is that is a thing. He's like, do I know you? You look familiar. And Jake's like, no. And when Jake finds out about everything that happened with Wesker and Chris, because it is brought up the fact that Wesker's dead and that Chris was there. And Jake does get pretty defensive about this. And Chris's response is basically like, it was personal. <laughs> or, He's like, uh, I'm, I'm like kind of your adopted dad, maybe. <laughs> like... I was, I was the person that Wesker kind of focused on the most in his life, but it's fine. Don't worry about that. I was the most important thing in his life, by the way. Yeah, kind of. Like, he kind of just, like, went out of his way to constantly bully me, but, you know, we're not going to talk about that. But that's a that's how he flirted with me, so, you know. <laughs> so, you know. Again, we do not ship these two in canon. I know we, no, we they do, but... <laughs> no, they would be, like... A very unhealthy relationship in canon if they had actually like been a thing yeah they're definitely 100 percent. no i definitely whenever we use them in like au's or other stories i we definitely tone wesker down a bit he's not like insane <laughs> yeah we we tone him down a lot keeping the thing we probably keep the most is that he's very like chris is the only thing he actually like focuses on ever and yeah, like, he he's literally, like, only nice to Chris and, like, an asshole to everybody else. Yeah, which is pretty much how he is in-game, except he's still an asshole to Chris, just in a different way from everyone else. Yeah. And this kind of leads into what we were getting at with theories and stuff. So, in After Six and everything that happens... He doesn't really show up in Seven. He has, like, one thing in Seven where Chris is kind of Chris, but again... He, he, he comes in... Yeah, he comes in at the end of the game to, like... Like, they, the, the, the SAA and Blue Umbrella, like, finally show up at the, the swamp place and finally, like, rescue people and deal with the biohazard there and stuff. But they do have, like, a DLC added to RE7 that is, like... I think it's called Not a Hero, and it's basically, like, post-game, like, what, Chris going down into the tunnels to track down Lucas. 
He was the last surviving member of the Baker family at that point. Yeah, and he has, like, contacts with the Connections, which is a bioterrorist group currently at large dealing with, like, the mutamycete mold stuff that they're after. Yeah. And Chris doesn't have a lot in that DLC. It, it's ma mainly that once again he watches his team die, <laughs> and he can't do anything to stop it. Yeah. He, he watches them die, like, jigsaw trap puzzle because Lucas is, like, a fucking psycho. Because <laughs> Lucas pretty much is Jigsaw. He is. He's, he's like, a, a southern Jigsaw. Yeah, so he he has to watch that. And then this leads into 8, where he's, once again, not necessarily a main character. I would say he's still a supporting character, but he has a larger role yeah. than he did in 7. And... Um, kind of concerning, he's a lot like Wesker. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think that was, like, one of the first things we noticed about him in 8, in a Village, was that he has become very, like, at Wesker-like, in, like, the ends justify the means kind of thing. He's become very detached. He's become very, like, with his team, he's still Chris-esque. But even then, like... Um, for those of you who haven't played 8, because it is still a, I guess it's still a relatively new game. It's kind of. For those of you who haven't played 8 yet, the, I won't ruin too much of it for those who want to play it, but it focuses on Ethan Winters, who was the main character of 7, and now of 8, and he's trying to get back his, his daughter, Rose, who was kidnapped by an evil, an evil group of mutants run by Miranda. And yeah, who was who was the person uh, Spencer worked with before he went on to to found uh, the Umbrella Corporation. Yes. So she has some backstory into this. And Chris is there because he is specifically there to keep Ethan from joining this whole fray and staying out of it. But um, that goes really well. <laughs> He he doesn't do it very well. Yeah, he kind of he kind of fails from like he the get -go. he thinks that he thinks that just telling him not to get involved with it, but then like not tell him like what's going on or anything or like explaining his actions. He thinks that Ethan's just like not gonna get involved with it, and obviously like his baby got kidnapped, so like obviously he's gonna get involved with it. And this shows up a lot with. Chris and his team when you do get to play as Chris for the short while that you do Chris's team is even like why didn't you just tell him like why are we being secretive about this and Chris kind of just like blows it off as like <laughs> what like and yeah I think he I think to me it seems like he's like he's trying to protect Ethan yeah it, I was gonna say because like he probably they probably, because he trained him and gave him, like, like, he gave him military training, so they've obviously been, like, spending a lot of time together. And I think he, like, starts to really care about Ethan, and and from what's, all that's happened to him in the other games, he doesn't want to lose him like he did everybody else. So I think trying to, like, push him away and keep him out of the situation is, like, keeping him safe, but I think that just, like, put Ethan in, like, more danger. Yeah, because Chris obviously has more has more 
experience with these kinds of things. And if they had worked together from the beginning, he could have been like, don't worry, Ethan, I've got your back. But Chris was like, I'm gonna go off and do my own thing. And there's kind of also a thing where like, Chris is starting to realize that, you know, the organizations he's working with aren't as good as he thought they were. Like, clearly Wesker's not the only bad guy hiding behind the scenes waiting to betray him. So, I, I think it's kind of like you got that two-pronged fold thing with Chris where it's like he's starting to act more like Wesker. He's starting to keep things from people. He is kind of presented as a villain in the beginning of RE8. Like, you have he, no idea what's going on. and He really is, though. <laughs> every time he meets Ethan, he has this very, like, rough approach to dealing with him. And it's the same as Wesker has. Every time he sees him, he's, like, rough and violent with him. It's not like he's like, hey, let's have a talk, which is very Chris style <laughs> from the first games. Is like, oh, hey, I met this person. Let's Let's figure this out. And now he's just like, Ethan, no. Yeah, or like, like when he's when you fall to like the bottom of the factory and he's like there in the dark, and he literally like grabs the gun out of Ethan's hand and like kicks him in the face. Yeah, so it's it's very it's very much how Wesker treats him and Veronica, and it's very much like how Wesker probably, you know, was. I don't want to say as captain because it seemed like he was a good captain, but like he has that change of heart and it, it shows and now that there is that change of heart another thing that we haven't pointed out the whole time which I'm actually mad at us for is well, that I was saving it till the end anyway Chris kept Wesker's gun <laughs> he did he uses Wesker's gun yeah so like and now you could be like okay like Again, the captain thing that this is like a memento of being like, hey, I lost this person who used to I used to work with and I want to keep that memory alive. So I, I kept the gun. But it just seems kind of weird because after all the negative stuff that has happened, how many times that gun has been put to his head, you think that he would be like, let us get rid of this and throw it in the lava where Wesker went. But he didn't. Yeah. It always just seemed like a strange thing to me that he would just, like, keep it like that. Yeah, it's like a moment. So I'm just like, I'm like, hmm. Yeah, and, like, he uses it. It's not like he keeps it and it's just there. Like, this is this is a weapon that he has. Yeah, and, like, the er like earlier I saw someone had, like, a GIF comparison of, like, Wesker firing that gun. And then, like, when Chris... The scene of Chris firing that gun in uh, Village, and it's very similar. Very similar, like, shooting style. Yeah, like, you definitely get the feeling that these two might actually be turning into the same person. Yeah, which... So, so that leads to this whole, this whole, like, theory that I have because of... Um, the Resident Evil Revelations 2. So we learned that um, 
there's another Wesker child who survived um, the experiments. I think it I think it was only Albert and Alex that survived, right? Yep. So Alex is the other one that survived, and she's like the main antagonist of Revelations too. It's like a whole thing where she like traps people in this like jigsaw house and stuff, and like you play as Claire on with Bar- Barry's child, and and Barry's in there too, but. Basically, like, Alex's main thing that she keeps going on about is how, like, she she wants to pass her consciousness on to another person. And then she also brought up the fact that she kept saying, like, Albert um, escaped. And she called it, like, escaped. Like, like, his consciousness literally, like, went into somebody else. Which leads me to the theory that if this is true, that, like, Wesker's consciousness did pass on to someone else after he died, and it seems, because of what happens to Alex, it seems like their bodies need to be completely destroyed, and, like, where they can't regenerate at all, like, every single cell is destroyed before they can actually, like, do this, which we know happened to to Albert Wesker because he got submerged in lava, so that would essentially, like, destroy everything. And it doesn't work for Alex at first in that game because I think she just she just like shoot herself in the head. Or she just gets shot in the head. It's something like that. But she gets shot in the head and yeah. it's not enough. Like yeah, like she just gets shot. Obviously, like her body is still like working and that wouldn't necessarily like kill her and she ends up being <laughs> this like very monstrous looking mutated mess. Um, but then at the end of the game, uh, I think they they don't mean to do this, but they completely destroy her with like an explosion and that actually allows her consciousness to finally fully pass on um to the girl whose name i always forget uh it's either natalie or natalia i think it's natalia it's natalia because she like had started kind of implanting herself into her to kind of like start the process but then like we know she successfully did at the end of the game because it shows a shot of natalia and she like kind of smiles really creepily, like, very Alex Wesker-like, so we know for sure that she successfully passed on into Natalia. So that leads into, like, my theories of, like, well, who did Wesker's consciousness go into? And with how we've been talking about, like, Chris becoming more Wesker-like, my, one of my main theories is he, his consciousness went into Chris. Yeah. And something to note because someone someone is definitely going to point out that like oh well Resident Evil Revelations takes place before 5 everyone prior to this is convinced that Wesker is dead we know because we've played the games that he's just working behind the scenes and pulling strings but as far as everyone's concerned he is dead until he shows up basically at like the Spencer Manor he's gone cold right and like it's like you can argue that but you but you also know we also know for a fact that alex was able to successfully do that and her and albert are like very like the same kind of bow and so it's like and she said herself like he can do that too so like we know for sure that that's probably what happened like he's not actually like dead dead and it's also should be noted that um, a big part of the backstory between Alex and Albert 
is that Spencer actually liked Alex because Albert was a bit of an overachiever. Um, and <laughs> also... He tried too hard. Yeah, and Albert is also definitely more unhinged than Alex. Like, Alex is more unhinged later in the game, but when you first meet her, she's as insane as Albert. Yeah, she's... She's very much... She seems much more methodical. Yeah. And it's noted that, like, with Alex and Spencer, Alex Spencer kind of saw her as his own daughter. And, like, the W Project, which they both come from, which is basically the Wesker Project, was a project of eugenics, where he took yeah. children from their parents that he found to be genetically superior, and he raised them in, like, his specific schools and orphanages... And was raising them to be awful human beings that did awful things and had this whole plan of basically creating the perfect super mutant children. And the consciousness shifting comes a lot from Spencer's own ideas of like wanting to be a god and wanting to be able to live forever. So that's where Alex gets the idea of I, if I can transfer into a younger body, then I can just live forever, because as long as my consciousness lives on, I can live on. And she knew about all this research because Spencer told her about it and told her about all the research and like the purpose of the Wesker project was to create this super these super children who the prototype virus that they're given, um, it causes them to have deaccelerated aging. So that way they will not degrade as fast and they'll have more agility, more strength. They'll be basically super soldiers. And while Wesker is definitely a super soldier, Alex kind of took that smarts and was like, I'm going to do what he wanted to originally. He never told Albert about any of that. Until presumably when he died. And even then, like, he was like, I'm a god. And Wes was <laughs> like, I'm the true god now. I'm your one true god. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, like, whether or not Albert knew that he could do this. I'm not sure, but he definitely had many games to imprint his consciousness on Chris. Yeah, and I mean, it makes the most sense to me with, like, like all their interactions that, like, we've been talking about. I'm like, he, he really has been, like, putting his focus on Chris. Yeah. And I'm like, if you put your influence on a person, like, that's what that's what Alex was doing to, to Natalia. And there was, like, basically putting her influence, like, into her mind, like, onto her person. And it very much seems like, maybe not in, like, as an intentional way as she was doing, but it seems very much, like, kind of, like, the same kind of thing with, like, Chris and Wesker. Which even comes into, because I know people will kind of point this out, too, about Wesker having some kind of weird fascination with Rebecca, which is basically based on Easter eggs. Like... Yeah, it's... It's nothing that really, like, concrete. Yeah, it's... As far as I can tell. Yeah, it's a lot of, like, in Resident Evil Zero, the only game <laughs> where Rebecca Chambers is playable, 
is a prequel game that you can play as her and they have some interactions there and it seems like he's trying to recruit her into his ways but he finds out like she stars and stuff and you know that all of that fun stuff and people are like he seems to have a fascination with her and i'm like he came from a eugenics project and he's probably like wow she's also a child prodigy i could use her because they have a concerning age difference uh yeah it's i mean kristen weskers isn't that concerning to me because for one like at, in in the first game, Chris is like twenty three, and they're like a ten. It's like a ten year difference, but Chris is in his mid twenties. So it's like, once you're in your mid twenties, I'm like, you know, if you want to date someone who's like a lot older than you, like that's your business. Like I don't really care. But she's like eighteen during those games. She's eighteen. She's she's even younger if it's like before Resident Evil One. Wesker is literally old enough to be her dad because Wesker is thirteen years <laughs> older than Chris. He is because like in RE One she's eighteen or around there, and RE Zero is before that, isn't it? Yeah, so she's probably like. So, she's even younger in that game. <laughs> yeah, so. And it's like what I brought up before. I'm like. It's like, it seems like the people who just exist as a woman character, if any male character shows like the slightest kind of interest in them, they take it as romantic, which I'm like, seems like kind of the thing with them. And then you see all the interactions between Chris and Wesker and we're like, that seems pretty gay. And people <laughs> yeah. Are like... And I'm like, you know, people are always like, oh, why do you have to make everything gay? And I'm like, well, you do the same thing with like women characters and guys. Yeah, so it's, so it's like, what do you want from me? <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I focus on the ones I can see something happening and like, you know, aren't creepy and stuff. I mean, Chris and Wesker is not healthy in canon, but you know what I mean. Other people will be like, he has a picture of her in his desk in RE multiple times, but... When you do find I'm like, it, so... I'm like, so what? Uh, it's a picture. Because I'm... <laughs> what again, what kind of picture even is it? Uh, it's of her in, like, a sporty outfit. But again, it could be if someone was like, Hey, on the DL, if you need someone for, like, your stars unit or for, like, this project you're doing for Umbrella, hint, hint, wink, wink, we have someone who could be a good specimen, and he's not the only one who tries this. Because in Vendetta, yeah. Glenarius does the same thing. Yeah, Glenarius creeps on her too. Yeah. Except, except that Glenarius comes off to me, not not as evil gay, but like creepy creeper straight guy. Yeah, most definitely. Whereas knock off, knock off, devil may cry character. Yeah, basically. So like, whereas. Wesker towards Rebecca, I feel like it's it comes off as like a weird picture because Wesker's not the type of person that I can see having that as a personal effect. I feel like they put it there to kind of be like maybe he had this whole plan because Rebecca does feel kind of out of place in RE1. And Chris ends up showing his respect women juice by kind of being like, yeah, you should be here. Like, 
you're a medic. You have training. And she does come in handy. She ends up playing the piano and opening up, you know, a, 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 a secret area. So, like, when she plays this piano and opens up the secret area, he's just like, oh, man, I never would have thought about that because I'm pretty sure that Chris can't play piano. So, like... <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah, so it's one of those things where you kind of sit there and are like, okay, she's clearly very smart and very gifted. I can see where Wesker would be like, she could be a good candidate for the future. Much like he did the same thing with Excella, he did the same thing with Jake's mm -hmm. mom. Like, he finds these people that he's like, ooh. And even Krauser. He convinces Krauser to go after Leon S. Kennedy. So, like, he has yeah. this grip on people to be like, do what I want. And he doesn't even have to say or else. Because they're just like, he's successful. He's very smart. He knows how to turn on and off his crazy, except around Chris. <laughs> right. He's like, I go my full-on crazy for you, my love. <laughs> my one obsession so i, I um but yeah i'm also like rebecca is like the biggest lesbian but i'll i'll talk more on that in like the other episode yeah because i think for the most part we've basically covered what we wanted of chris and wesker here that like yeah this is kind of the broad overview of it and like the analysis of their characters we're kind of looking to see how the future looks because they're currently developing DLC for Resident Evil 8 so we'll see what they show us there yeah like uh, RE9 I'm guessing is what I mean it's probably gonna be called something but it's gonna be RE9 it's probably still like a long dis ways off just because Village like just came out last year in May so I'm like, I know the next big game is definitely a long ways off still, but I'm at the same time, I'm like, I need it. Yeah, we, we want to know, we want to see, because Chris is definitely going to still play a part, because he plays a part. Again, I don't want to ruin RE8 for you, so I'm not going to tell you why he plays a part in the future of the series, but it's Chris Redfield, and considering that like we haven't seen Leon in a few games or any of the other characters but Chris at this point, I think we can say that, like, there's probably going to be something that happens and we're excited to see it but I think this mostly concludes our discussion of Chris and Wesker yeah I think we've basically covered pretty much everything I'm sure that, as always I'll think of something like later but we'll literally you know get off goes. this and be like we forgot to mention <laughs> be like oh, I didn't talk about that but for those of you who like the series, who are excited to hear more, more of our stuff, we will be having our next episode, I believe, is going to be about the ladies of Resident Evil. Yeah, it'll it'll be a fun one, because, like, Rebecca is, like, my favorite. Yeah, and Claire is my favorite, so we're, we're going to have a lot to talk about. And, like we said, Capcom does a very good job of creating relatable female characters, especially for people like us who aren't girly girls who are looking for strong female characters that can be feminine without being feminine and yeah it's like like besides the ones we talked about that are like pretty hyper sexualized like most of the main ladies besides like ada but that that's from her own choice like 
aren't really presented as like over sexualized or anything. Yeah, and a lot of times they wear kind of minus Jill Valentine's outfit in the original Resident Evil Three. <laughs> that one, I hate that one so much. Yeah, they don't usually wear very gendered outfits either. Like a lot of their outfits are kind of just like, all right, like Claire's original outfit from Two is just like an '80s biker outfit. Basically, yeah. So we'll even get into, like, talk about DLC costumes for them and stuff and how, like we said with Chris, where they kind of... Oh, we did forget something. And it's talking about fucking Wesker's gay-ass German nightclub outfit in 5. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, if you haven't seen it, you should look up, like, Resident Evil 5 uh, Wesker. Because he's wearing this, like pretty much skin tight like all black outfit that almost has kind of like a snake skin pattern to it i don't really know how to describe it but he literally with like boots and stuff and gloves and he, yeah he literally looks like he walked out of like a gay german nightclub and it's like the gayest villain outfit i've ever seen it's... the only thing that would make it gayer is if it had like a titty window oh my or like assless chaps <laughs> yeah like if it was that or like the, the whole chest part of his outfit was, like, bare, so you can, like, see his pecs and everything. Like, that... Only that would make it gayer, but it's it's very gay, like, by itself. It is very much so, like, a JoJo's outfit. <laughs> yeah, and he... I mean, he, he does JoJo poses when he dodges bullets, so... So, like, there you go. So, if you've ever seen JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, then you will totally understand what we're going... What we're going for here. But it's one of those things, like, I don't like to be, like, those clothes are gay. But at the same time, I'm like... <laughs> but they are. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I can't imagine anyone else wearing this and pulling it off. It's just such a Wesker outfit that it, it's it's perfect. <laughs> I feel like he just, like, what, he really did, like, go off the rails and, like, fully dramatic in, like, RE5. Because all his outfits he's worn before in, like, other games are all very normal looking yeah it, like his stars uniform he kind of just wears like lab coats or like just pretty basic outfits and <laughs> but not in re5 no in re5 he was like i'm going i'm going full broke and he did <laughs> i gotta impress chris so we'll leave you with that albert's albert's outfit and then besides that i think i think i think we did it yeah I think that's everything. So thank you guys for for listening. We really appreciate you. Um, if you enjoy our Thanks. content. I'm sorry we go off the rails sometimes. Yeah. We try to stay on track. Yeah, we, we have notes. You won't believe us, but we do have notes. Um, yeah, we at least have an outline. So like, if we start kind of going off, we can at least focus back in, maybe. Hopefully. So if you like this, you know, leave us a like follow our podcast uh, uh leave us a comment if uh, you like share it with your friends yeah and you know as they say next week we're gonna up again so we'll see you guys then yeah don't forget to queer it Bye. up